Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Craig. Craig, what is going on, man? A little bit of everything. Yeah? Yeah. We are normally recording on Tuesday. Yes, we are. But it's not Tuesday. It's not. It's actually a Friday. Yes, So the pressure's off. It feels like it's the weekend already. The sun is shining outside. Beautiful. I heard birds chirping like all week long. Very spring. Yeah, it's putting me in a great mood. Very springy. You know, I expected to open my door and see just uh, a meadow of flowers. And I I mean, I saw uh, houses, you know, but it felt like spring. Yeah. And I would say you've got a spring in your step, Jared. Mm. I've noticed that Mm. you just kind of came up. you're ba- just bouncing into the church building in today. Like bounding. a bunny. Yep. Uh, yeah, man. It's been a great week, and I'm, I'm really excited for the springtime, man, to really just kick in. There and you go. I grilled hamburgers and hot dogs last nice. night. Nice. Yeah, we were going to do chili, but then we were just like, That's hard man. to grill. Yeah, you can't grill chili. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the beans fall through. The th- it's just a big mess. <laughs> it's a mess. You know? And I'm not speaking from experience, because no. I, would, I would never try no, something no, like no, that. No, 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 no. Anyways, man. Well, Grill's I, firing up. Sunshine's yeah. coming. We lose an hour of sleep. Now, this will come out post-Sunday, but yeah, this, that's everyone true. will. So uh, by the time people are listening to this, they'll be tired. Yeah, they will be. Sorry, yeah. guys. Blame yep. Benjamin Franklin. But we're not doing it Tuesday because this is not coming out Wednesday because we're doing something new. We are doing something different. Okay, so when we first set out with this podcast, I mean, we say, you know, it's the Grace Church Conversations podcast. Uh, we're helping you apply Sunday to Monday. This idea of taking our Sunday morning faith and, and taking it throughout the rest of our right. week. Um, I think there's just kind of a maybe a mental uh, block sometimes when we feel like we're we're at church with our church family on Sunday, but then Monday we get to work and right. we're living a different kind of life. Mm-hmm. Now it's now it's time to make money and now it's time to mm-hmm. pay bills, that sort of stuff. But I mean, the reality is our faith is supposed to impact every part of our life. So going into this podcast, what, a year and a half ago? Yeah. Wow. wow. It, well, I don't know, something like when that. When was it? I mean, because it's 2020 now. We started the fall of 2018. Yeah, yeah, so like a year and a half. That's crazy, How man. How time flies. Yeah, so we've had a good time doing it. Um, but I, I think what we found is that, you know, uh, taking questions and stuff that are specific to our Sunday morning sermons kind of limits how broad the uh, this can reach, right? Yeah. Because uh, I think there's even the topics that we touch on could broadly be accessible to other people outside our church, but because we focus them in such a way. Right. You kind of had um, to be there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you didn't, yeah, if you didn't exactly. hear that point. Yeah, exactly. You had to be there. If you weren't at church, a lot of the podcast isn't going to yeah. make sense. And so what we thought is, you know, rather than continuing to kind of gear the, the entire podcast around two or three questions, what yeah. we could do is take a lot of the the common themes that we're touching on on right. Sunday mornings and speak more broadly about them. Uh, and so hopefully that'll be more accessible to friends and family of people yeah. that, at the church. We can share it and it'll be a little bit more accessible. But one thing is we are not going to stop taking questions. Feel free to send them in. We're going to do something with them eventually. And then we've got some uh, cool stuff coming as well that we want to do with the podcast. So that's just to let you yeah. guys know, it's going to be a little bit different moving forward. Uh, not a whole lot different. Still going to be us discussing stuff and, uh, you know, diving into the brain of Craig, sharing his thoughts. And uh, it'll be a brief pro- podcast. <laughs> <if that's the laughs> case. Well, uh, uh, yeah, if I'd echo that. I, I think uh, we do really have appreciated. We've had some uh Num- we've had people send great questions, which mm-hmm. have been great. Sometimes I've read those and gone, oh man, yeah, I, when I said that, it probably 
could have been misunderstood or I wish I had commented on that. Or sometimes questions like, wow, I don't know. That's a great. And so yeah. I would always go study and try to come up with an, uh, bring an answer. Uh, but one of the things we also noticed as awesome as the questions were, and they really were, sometimes it made the podcast a little bit geared to a couple or three people that yeah. had, a, had a thought yeah. um, that maybe wasn't, um, didn't touch everybody equally, obviously. Hey, this is something I've personally thought a lot about and wrestled with, and yeah. uh, but maybe a, it wasn't the same for others. So I think one of the things we thought, send the questions, we'll do what we can. We may incorporate them at points, but I think we thought, let what if we broaden a little bit, yeah. like you said, so that we could uh, somewhat be tethered to have mm-hmm. probably to some degree what's happening on Sunday mornings, but uh, but still uh, this would be, like you said, more relevant for those who, who weren't there. You didn't have to be there yeah. uh, to follow up. And like you said, we may do some, you know, part of this came from, we did a couple of interviews mm-hmm. um, with, uh, we did one with Jeff Betcher, uh, one with Ian McConnell, and they seemed to go well. Yeah. People liked that. And yeah. it was used to serve the church in a way. We sent them out to the church and said, okay, here's something very specifically specific we want you to hear. Yeah. And so there may be some things that we could do that aren't part of Sunday, but mm-hmm. are important in the life of the church or a, a person from the church you want to hear you to hear from or a person in the city or we've got a phone connection, a person outside yeah. the city we interview. Yeah. I don't know, but some options of things we could bring yeah. that would be well, stimulating. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It broadens our ability to bring different kinds of resources, right. you know, to the podcast to impact people both in our church and outside the sure. church and uh, be as helpful as possible to as many people as possible. So love it. I'm excited about it. Yeah, man. let's do it. So thanks again, as always. I mean, I just, uh, I'm still kind of uh, the year and a half thing just popped out of my mouth and we didn't really wow. talk about it, but I'm still really surprised. I mean, yeah, that's a long time, man. This in is podcast world. That's, that's 20 years in podcast. Yeah. Uh, podcast years. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got like, what is it? Dog years or like seven yeah. Something seven, like that. Something yeah. like that. Podcast twenty years for every human year. Yeah, the only thing the only <laughs> thing shorter than a podcast year is a blog year. They, oh, I'm starting a blog. <laughs> yeah, it's two things sure and then they're are. gone. Yeah. yeah. And podcasts, <laughs> we did four episodes and then it died. But you but the people kept sending questions and you kept showing up here on Tuesday. So I had to come up here and That's talk. That's right. You can get rid of me. No, so uh thank you for being the uh the focus and the discipline behind well, this. So we'll man, thank you. It took us a year and a half to uh to do some things and now say, hey, let's continue and, yeah. and tweak tweak a bit. So. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about this, yeah. man. It's going to be a good time moving forward and continuing with what we've been doing. And I think this is technically a conversations podcast episode 55. Okay, good. So that's kind of insane. Yeah. That's half of a century of, yeah, that is. of a podcast or hundred, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, well, why don't we go ahead and get started? Yeah. So, uh, you were talking about like this idea of, you know, if we're going to go to something a little bit more broader, what better place to start than just kind of linking up with, you know, what we're doing on Sunday mornings right. with the Daniel series as a way of kicking us off into this idea of public faith. Yeah. Um, and I can't think of someone that I respect more on this topic than you personally. I mean, you, you, uh, I've learned so much from you, so I'm just excited to explore this topic with you over the next couple of weeks, but I thought it'd be helpful to just kind of start at the beginning yeah. with this idea, you know, public faith. What is public faith? Yeah. So that's what we're calling the series. It's a series on Daniel one to six. And we said we'd come back for the end of the book, but, uh, at another time, but, uh, we're calling it public faith in a private faith world. Um, and before I say how I'm using the term public faith, let me say why I like the term. I like the term because there's no real set definition. Um, it's, it's not a commonly used term. So if, if I say evangelism, everybody has a mental image of what that means. First of all, people start getting nervous. Oh, we're going to talk about evangelism. (laughs) Uh, but for somebody it could mean 
somebody on, uh, you know, yelling at people on a street corner for somebody else. It could be, uh, giving somebody a track for mm. somebody else. It could be, um, you know, uh, having my neighbor over for dinner, building a relationship. It could be any number of things. Yeah. Evangelism. People have different images of what that is. If I say we're going to talk about mission or what it means, you know, 10 years ago, it was hot to say we're missional, yeah. um, use it as a descriptor. If, if I say that, then people, say, okay, mission, what is that? Well, does that mean in International? Are we, are we going to talk about Dave and Stacey Hare translating the Bible in Cameroon? Mm. That's internet. That's missions. Yeah. Uh, the frontier missions. Uh, or are we going to talk about uh, being on mission? You know, seeking to um, be a light in the darkness in my neighborhood. What What is mission? Um, so, evangelism and mission are terms that people may not agree on the definition, but they almost all Christians have it. Something comes to mind. If you say public faith, not much comes to mind. Is that like? Uh, public policy? Is that like Christian public government policy? Is it that kind of thing? Or is it, you know, what really is, is it? So if you, if I, I Googled it for the first time today, um, if you Google the term, two names come up and, and that would be under the evangelical uh, umbrella commonly. The first and, and most uh, prominent and where I learned the term is from Tim Keller. Mm. So this is one of the core values of the church that he planted and founded, Redeemer. And uh, he's no longer the lead pastor, but uh, is still involved. Uh, but the, the church he planted, which has been so fruitful in Manhattan uh, among unchurched people, that, uh, living a public faith was a core value value and is a core value uh, for them. And so he talks a lot about it in a helpful way. The other person that uses the term, there's a couple of books written by a guy named uh, Miroslav Volf, uh, mm. who's a Croatian uh, theologian. He's at Yale. Uh, he'd be more progressive doctrinally than Keller would be or that uh, that I would be. Um, but he uses this term in some helpful ways. He, he talks a lot about public faith in terms of how how we uh, how the church represents its faith in a pluralistic culture and society and the place for um, for public faith um uh, to be expressed in, in so that we're not embracing a, a secular public square, but one where um, faith is important. And while he would be, to my knowledge, he would be exclusive. He believed that, uh, you know, the, uh, he'd have an exclusivistic, exclusivist view of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, but he would also be talking about other religions and the public faith. And mm. in, in, in a public faith context, uh, religious liberty, and I, I feel strongly about this, religious liberty matters for all of us. Yeah. And so we have a lot in common with people with whom we don't don't agree yeah, on sure. uh, on the scripture or uh, Jesus, but uh, we we better be getting to know them and being uh, you know kind of being on the same page with regard to the right to express one's mm -hmm. religion. So anyway, Wolf talks something about those kind. Of, I haven't read him deeply on this subject, but he, he does come up. But um, so I, I, the reason I like the term is because I think it, um, it it has to do with how we walk out our Christian life, uh, among others. So it's, if you think of it as the opposite of a private faith, uh, which would be more of a hidden faith, I, I think of it as seeking to follow Christ among all people and in all places. It's seeking to allow the gospel to shape our lives, to shape our thinking, uh, to shape our attitudes and actions so that, um, we are essentially the same people wherever we are. We're not chameleons. Now that doesn't mean that my 
atheist neighbor, I'm going to sit down and have the exact same conversation with him I'm going to have with you. And then I'm going to immediately be talking about uh, this part of my faith in the same way that that can that can tend to be obnoxious if that's not invited, you know. So I'm not saying we just uh, go to people who don't share our views and just act exactly like they do. I'm not Mm. saying that, but I am saying that we should live in a way, we should speak in a way that our faith in Christ is not hidden, that if someone gets to know us, it it comes up in our thinking and in our actions. And, And hopefully our life, there's something compelling about our life where someone might even ask about that, you know, at some level that that's what we're hoping, yeah. uh, ultimately, but it's, it's really that it's seeking to, uh, befriend people that don't know the Lord. It's seeking to be a faithful employee while our work, it's seeking to faithfully serve, um, my, wherever, wherever I live in, in, um, in, uh, in charitable ways and, uh, volunteer my time and my life. It's, it's seeking to be a good listener. Mm. I think public faith has a lot about not me cramming something down someone's throat, but let me listen and learn from others. The more we do that, um, the more we better understand how to connect the gospel with yeah. people who don't believe. So I think ex- exercising public faith isn't just a one-way street. Sometimes evangelism feels that way. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. le- it's not. I'm all for evangelism. Uh, but sometimes we it, that's the way it gets played out. It's yeah. my one-way sales pitch. Right. As opposed to, uh, yes, I believe there's only one. I'm going to be very clear. I believe there is one way to God, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do not believe in his death, burial, and resurrection as the means of salvation, that is the only way to be saved. So I believe that strongly. But I also believe that there's a place for me to listen, to learn, to engage another person, to know their story, to understand their views, uh, to listen to their views, to maybe even see see good in uh, some of their views that I differ with, but see uh, see value, you yeah. know, so I, and, um, it's acting for the common good in some of those ways. So it's seeking to understand, learn and, and interact in that mm-hmm. way. So I think that's, that's, that's some of the nuance to the term. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably why I, uh, why I like it. So yeah, there you that's go. That's really good, man. Well, I, I mean, you kind of started to touch on it a little bit, but there's difficulty in how we live out our Christian faith mm-hmm. in this idea of public faith. You know, how do we live as Christians publicly? And you kind of touched on, you know, some of the difficulties that we run yeah. into. There's many, uh, and it is complex, but, um, you know, that difficulty of, do I stop and listen? Do I do yeah. the sales pitch? You know, should I listen to yeah. this another person's views? All yeah. these different things, you know, so that kind of leads us to the question, you know, why is it important that we discuss public faith? Well, I think it's important because, uh, there's a, speaking of Tim Keller, he wrote an article, uh, called, you can Google this, uh, how to be more public with your faith. Um, it's from 2019, almost exactly a year ago, I think. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, I think it's from 2019. Yeah, it is February yeah. 26th. Okay, so Amazing. almost a year ago. Yeah, a little more than a year. But uh, he he wrote an article uh, called "How to Be More Public with Your Faith," and he he ra- he raises the issue that this is important in these days because each successive generation of evangelicals in the U.S. has not only, uh, well, not only is the rate of attendance dropping for evangelicals in the country, rate of church attendance, but the value of communicating our faith to others has dropped uh, to where, you know, certainly for millennials, and they're projecting for uh, Gen Z, this could even be you, you know, there even be few people that are con, uh, convinced mm. that part of being a Christian is to communicate about your faith. Yeah. Um, that that it's being viewed by many who would say, "I believe the Bible. I believe in Jesus." 
But I don't believe that part of my responsibility as a follower of Christ is ultimately to be communicating about my faith to other people. Yeah. And I'm not just doing the generational thing. You, you know, you're, I'm, I'm, uh, well, I'm on the cusp. I'm, I'm the, technically probably the last year of the baby boomers. Mm. Um, so, or the first year of Gen X, but usually I'm, I'm when I see the numbers, I'm always the last year of baby boomers. Wow. So I'm a boomer, uh, and you're, you're millennial. So this isn't it's the true. old, yeah, this isn't the old guy saying, you know, oh yeah, what happened to all the millennials? Because I can look back at the boomers and say, wow, a lot of the evangelism I grew up with was not good. So I don't think, <laughs> I don't think we should be replicating that. Um, the methodologies, uh, the gospel's beautiful, but the methodologies weren't always great in the seventies and eighties. Um, so all that to say, it's it's becoming a. T- in, it, when I was young, in college, it, to be a Christian was it was just like part of the DNA in the environment I was, uh, and I think this is true of evangelicalism largely in the U.S. at that time. Uh, part of the DNA is you share your faith. I mean, you have a quiet time, or mm-hmm. let's call that read your Bible and pray. You, that's part of being a Christian. Yeah, probably going to church is part of being a Christian. But if you were to say like the third thing of being a Christian, it'd probably be sharing your faith with others. It'd be connecting with God, go to church and tell people about Christ. Those would be like the things. And so, um, but now not so much. And uh, so uh, in this article, Keller makes that point. He he links to a couple surveys, which sort of show that. And then he says, there's a few factors of why it's more difficult to be public with our faith today. And, and one of them he talks about is that it's more complicated. He says, a generation ago, you could assume that the vast majority of people believed in a personal God, an afterlife, moral absolutes, the reality of sin, and had a basic respect for the Bible, even if they didn't believe. Yeah. They had a basic respect. Christians routinely assumed the existence of these concepts, and evangelism was mainly connecting the dots to show them their personal need for Jesus. No longer can we assume, however, that any of these basic ideas are common knowledge or even acceptable uh, to talk about how faith entails working to establish basic concepts before Jesus' gift of salvation can have uh, any meaning. So mm. I think of what he's saying is we're in a more, we're in a more post-Christian environment. Yeah. And so what you could have assumed a generation ago is, um, is perhaps no longer assumed. And so it's, it's a bit more complicated. In other words, communicating the gospel in Frisco, Texas, it's, it's not the same as being a, uh, foreign missionary or missionary to, you know, an unreached people group in India. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as that. However, um, the concepts are foreign to a lot of people. Yeah. And so it's more complicated. And, and so thus we need to talk about yeah. this and help us understand, okay, we're the importance of listening and learning yeah. to start with, the importance of understanding other people's point of view, the importance of not taking everything for granted that everybody, yeah. of course you, of course you believe this or that, right. you yeah, know, yeah. Um, it's not, I think the whole, of course, everybody thinks this yeah. uh, and people in your generation would say, yeah, I can't believe you ever thought everybody did think this, but, <laughs> but it was, mu- there was much more commonality when I was your age. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, that is very, very true. I think that's such a huge, uh, I mean, I think that's a huge factor in, in maybe why people are not as quick to evangelize today because, uh, you know, there's a lot less common ground now and there's a lot more, uh, honestly it, it, it seems, and this could be wrong, but it seems like people who are not Christians are more equipped by our culture to argue against Christianity. Yeah, for sure. And that might not be true. Maybe in in years yeah. past and generations past, they've been just as equipped in different yeah. ways or, or whatever. But uh, it does seem today that there's an inordinate um, 
maybe antagonism towards yeah. the the Christian faith. And I that, think so. You know, I, I, how much of that is just the media? How much yeah. of that is, uh, you know, the loud voices on social media? Yeah, Who sure. knows? But it I, sure I feels think, that way. Yeah, it does. It does feel that way. In that lack of common ground, makes it feel a lot more challenging to approach this this concept. Well. That's where that's his second point. What you're saying is he says it's also more difficult. So it's not only more complicated because there's not common ground, but you were alluding to this. He says it's also more difficult in the past. Those who didn't believe usually granted that religion's a good thing for society, yeah. though not for me. So that would when I when I was, uh, you know, uh, young, that would have been when I was in my teens and 20s. I, I think I would have found that very common when sharing my faith was that someone would say, I, I at least I'm not going to argue that there's no value. I'm just going to say that's probably not my thing. Right. Uh, so plenty of people would turn down what you what yeah. you believe, but for different reasons. But Christianity and religion in general is no longer accepted as a good influence. He writes in society or our lives, from the history of the church supporting slavery and religious wars to the current involvement of religious persons in politics and abuse scandals, the flaws and sins of the Christian church or foregrounded in our culture. There is particular anger over traditional Christian views of sexuality. To talk about faith now means being peppered with often hostile questions. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the whole paragraph. I read the whole paragraph. Yeah. But that's exactly what you're saying. So it's another reason we might be reticent to go public. It's just easier to be have a private faith, just yeah. love Jesus and my Christian friends. Um is because it is more difficult and challenging. And again, we want to be measured here. Nobody uh, is going to be in Frisco, Texas, decapitated because they witnessed. You know, this isn't like some place yeah. where you know where there's uh, where folks uh, have suffered greatly in the Middle East. So even talking about resistance or persecution, and you always want to be careful about that because for us it could be a rude comment or rolled eyes, or you don't get invited out to the Friday night deal. Uh, it, it's probably not. You you're you're kicked out and put on the streets, yeah, and, and yeah. You, you, you lost your job, your family, and took a, and were beaten. Mm-hmm. But having said that, the questions are more hostile. It's like, oh yeah, it's not just that's okay for you. Yeah, uh, it's no, you. How could you believe in a God who's immoral? Yeah, how could you believe in a God who uh, y- your view about sexuality yeah. is oppressive? Yeah. It is harmful to people. It's mm-hmm. not just that, okay, you have a, a value for what's sexually acceptable. I have a value for what's sexually acceptable. Let's all just get along. It's no, your value is hurting people. Mm-hmm. Uh, your God uh, endorses the oppressive uh, yeah. o- oppression um, and, and those kinds of things. So yeah. I think there can be a lot of, oh, you want to talk? There can be a little bit of a stronger pushback, and I yeah. think that's far more acceptable today and, and more and much more common. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree. Um, and, uh, I think that's kind of a temptation for us too to say, you know, it seems like, okay, if, if I'm going to basically going to have to argue them into belief, you know, what's the point of that? Or, uh, or like I haven't read enough books yet, or yeah. I haven't watched enough YouTube videos yeah. on how on how to do this yet. Yeah, yeah. So give me some time, and I'll go out, and then I'll do it. Yeah. You know? And when I feel ready, I'll sh- you know I'll wave the flag and share that I'm a Christian. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. guess what? You never feel ready. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. The Lord, uh, you know, the Lord works in people's. It's the the gospel has the power yeah. itself to open eyes mm-hmm. and to convict hearts. Not that we shouldn't 
uh, work at yeah. trying to answer hard questions. By the way, I don't think we've said this on the podcast, but after Easter, uh, we're going to do a sermon series on Sunday morning, which is just, it, it's still, uh, you ever seen one of those um, trailers for a movie that says, you know, it's yet to be rated or whatever at the oh, bottom, yeah. you know, they show yeah. the stuff, uh, yet to be rated. I, yeah. I forget the language. So it's yet to be titled and it's not all worked <laughs> out, but we're going to answer, we're going to try to talk about both how do we respond to the most common questions we get, mm-hmm. uh, and then what, what are some what are some biblical ways of responding to some of the things that folks um, you know are asking? Yeah. And w- we should welcome questions, welcome people with questions, welcome skeptics, yeah. welcome people who are really opposed, maybe have been hurt by the church or mm-hmm. hurt by uh, or understand something something that we don't even believe, but they think that's what the church teaches. Yeah. So we're going to try to go at some of that in a loving way and help 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 equip the church and mm-hmm. also bring your friends, kind of a thing. Let's let's. Uh, as our, as Bob always says, let's stir the soup. So yeah, there you go. Bob said, I don't know what that means, but we're going to stir the soup. Let's stir it, man. <laughs> so anyway, so he says, that's his second one, yeah. uh, Jared. He says, oftentimes we don't want to be public because it's more complicated than it has been previously. It's more difficult. And lastly, he didn't give this a name, but he says, third, younger adults have been told repeatedly that no one has the right to tell others what to believe. So you shouldn't be trying to convert anyone. So you should, the idea, you shouldn't push your, your views on me. Yeah. Who are you? How what, what makes your view better than mine? Right. So in a truly liberal uh, environment, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not using that necessarily in a political sense, like, uh, but right. it, it may be a capital L. I don't know if it be capital, but in a truly liberal environment, mm-hmm. uh, and I welcome this kind of liberal uh, ideology, we, we should, it should be the marketplace of ideas where, any, where I should be respectfully, I should be respectful of other people's views. They should be mm-hmm. respectful of mine. I should try to inquire and understand and uh, listen and have a civil conversation. Yeah. Uh, that that's that's truly being open-minded and uh, not tolerant of truth in the sense of like all truths are equal, not right. tolerant in that way, but a tolerant attitude, which at least says I'm, a, I'm postured in humility and as a learner. Yeah. And I believe I have an exclusive truth claim to yeah, make as well. That's right. But we have to have both. Yeah. And um, so anyway, uh, the idea that nobody should be telling any, anyone, I, I am not, I should not be and am not fundamentally offended if a Muslim tells me, about Allah. I, right. I'm not offended. Tell me that. Yeah. If an atheist tells me why they don't believe in God, I, I, we shouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, offended by that. Anyway, mm-hmm. but he goes on on that. No one has the right to tell any, you shouldn't be trying to convert anyone. He says this very statement, of course, is self-contradictory yeah. since it's doing the very thing it forbids, which is really a key <laughs> truth. Yes. Nevertheless, it's a slogan with enormous cultural power, and it's hard for younger Christians not to be swayed uh, by it. He, he says a little bit more about social media but uh, in that paragraph. But basically, um, I just thought it was a great article, and I wanted to highlight his three points of the difficulty of public faith. And that last one is there's this belief. It's this core, sacred, Western uh, tolerant, open-minded belief that you shouldn't try. It's wrong to try to convince, uh, anyone else. And yet we live in a culture where 24 seven, we're getting messages trying to persuade and convince us all the time. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I find that, uh, kind of argumentation interesting. And, you know, it, to me, it just seems like if you are arguing that on one hand, 
then you're saying that no matter how much you believe something to be true, you don't care whether or not anyone else right. accepts it. If, if something's really true, right. I mean, but, but this comes from, I mean, you can kind of look behind the question and see that this, right. this kind of, uh, you know, statement saying you shouldn't try and sway anyone yeah, yeah. or convert anyone right. is really coming from a place that probably doesn't even believe in any kind of right. uh, objective truth, any kind of higher authority, that sure. kind of thing. But still, it's just really fascinating to, to think about that as an objective objection to, uh, yeah. trying to, yeah. you shouldn't tell, tell me what, what to do. I, th- I think you just told me what to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I do think this is where I think we can grow as Christians is, uh, we can model something different. Uh, yeah. I think we can, uh, there's, a, so what I do agree with is if someone has fundamentally said, I don't want to hear your message, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't be rude and belligerent. Yeah, <laughs> bad, fundam- badgering them with it. Yeah. Fundamentally agree with that. If someone says no, then, yeah. then no, then, then let it go for yeah. sure. That's between them and the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, so I, I think there's a place for that, but I, I do think we should, uh, I, I do think we should say that is, First of all, not not biblically acceptable for a Christian to yeah. say I can't tell anyone else because uh, the culture says fundamentally don't try to persuade the, yeah. the, the scripture. The very nature of being a disciple of Jesus is following Him in the Great Commission, and mm-hmm. that we are to tell uh, all people, uh, we are to tell them uh, the truth, yeah. and the truth is. Uh, at times, you, you know, they, they don't want to. They don't want to hear the truth. So mm-hmm. I get all that. I think it needs to be done with relationship. It yeah. needs to be done winsomely. But we we are preaching that there is. Uh, we are communicating with our lives. There is a God, and uh, His Son is Jesus, and uh, we we're following Him with our with our lives. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that helps though is if we will be more engaging of posturing ourselves as listeners to others. I think that engages dialogue. One yeah. of the reasons Christians, so we have to own this. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I think we've been, the, the culture of, I don't want to hear all that at times, we we just want to do our talking and, and we don't really want to get to know a person. Yeah. We want to get a convert or get a, get a, we want to win an argument or we want to, as opposed to, uh, loving people. And so last thing I'll say from this article, that's why he says, in short, doing evangelism today uh, will take more patience, courage, and thoughtfulness than was needed in a generation ago. Hmm. Uh, more patience because everybody's, we're not on the same page. Yeah. There, there's not a common set of values and beliefs about even is there truth, mm-hmm. you know? So we got to be really patient with people. Uh, it's a longer run. Many people coming to Christ, there's a longer runway to that maybe yeah. than there was when somebody was already primed, not in their heart. A dead heart's a dead heart, but in their mind, yeah. they already had some values. So we need to be more patient. He says we need to have more courage. So uh, the, the fact that someone may ask hostile questions, yeah. I need to be able to say, you know what? I don't know, mm-hmm. but let me, let me, uh, give that some thought and do some reading and get back with you. Yeah. Uh, but we need to be able to be ready for hostile questions. Um, so courage and thoughtfulness um, that we need to think about what serves another person and what's uh, what's a loving way to bring truth yeah. to them yet bring truth. So I think it's a great article, and I love his points about why it's uh, why it's more why it's important uh, because it's less common, and we're called uh, as disciples to uh, be lights uh, in the darkness and salt of the earth, which means by our lives, a lot of emphasis there, huge emphasis on our lives, mm-hmm. our speech. 
living counterculturally, subversively in the way in our values, what we spend our what 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 we spend our money on, what we mm-hmm. spend our time on, what we've you know uh, sort of the self indulgent kind of mentality. We want to be countercultural to that, yeah, and love and sacrifice for others, yeah. and then we want to um, look look for opportunities to speak um, and uh, take those opportunities. You know, so, yeah. Well, that's anyway. good, man. Um, well, lastly, I mean, I guess, you know, kind of what sparked this idea is like you were going through the book of Daniel on Sunday. Right. Uh, you know, we started on Sunday and, and we're going to be going through this series on the book of Daniel called Public Faith. Um, you know, what does the book of Daniel have to do with public faith? Yeah, I, I think uh, a couple of things on this. One is Daniel functions as a believer in Yahweh. And he lives his life, at least from his teen years, so his life of influence and leadership, uh, his adult years, from his teen years until however long he lives. He lives till Cyrus, so he at least lives till his 80s, uh, we saw in the text Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, He lives out his whole life in exile. And uh, one of the greatest, most freeing, most helpful things to grasp, I think, to be a better witness in this culture is to realize we live in exile. Hmm. And for too long, we've defined ourselves as, well, no, I live in a, in a quasi-Christian nation with quasi-Christian values, and I go to a church, and my culture supports the idea of going to church, everything else. We just need to wake up and say, this is not the 1950s. I, probably that was never the way it was. We just sort of think, this is not the 1950s, not the 1850s, yeah. praise God, uh, not, the, not the 1750s. Right. Uh, this is 2020, and the reality is that we live in a uh, you know a a culture that is uh, it's not a it's not a Christian culture. Mm-hmm. We we live in exile, yeah. um, um, and uh, so given that, that's really helpful to think about. How do I live? We talked Sunday Sunday about what, how do I live as as a subversive person in exile? How do I go against the grain in ways that represent Jesus in a, in a good way? So I love, I think there's a lot to learn from him because he functions in exile. Um, I think he shows us that God is sovereign. The book of Daniel shows us that God is sovereign and God is running history. And this is our confidence. We can exercise public faith, even in a context where they say, you're not allowed to tell me, you're not allowed to try to persuade me. Mm. Uh, in his day, you bow down or we, we've got some, we got a fire for you, you know? Um, yeah. but he shows us that God is sovereign. And when you know, God is sovereign, there's a, there's a, a level of freedom and faith that we can come and say, my life is in, in his hands. Yeah. Um, and we see that in the first chapter. We're going to see that. We see it in the second chapter too. Um, and I think of the way he behaves, he, he governs himself as a godly person that's making a contribution and yet is taking a stand where he needs to take a stand. And so he makes an appeal in chapter one to Ashpenaz. We talked about that, about not eating the king's food, but he didn't make it in a showy, self-glorifying. He made it in a humble way that that really could be a win for the steward as well. Can I do this? It could be costly to you, but here's a test. This is a win for you and a win for me. He, he, He tries to walk out his values and be a witness without sort of getting somebody in trouble. I, I just think that's powerful, you know, yeah. uh, but he's still a witness. And in the second chapter, he, um, he interprets a dream, uh, for, uh, Nebuchadnezzar interprets a dream that speaks of the future with Nebuchadnezzar. And as soon as he does this amazing, miraculous work, it says, and they went back and, you know, he served in the court and the other three guys, uh, served in the provinces of Babylon. So basically he does this miraculous thing. Uh, the Lord does this miraculous thing through him. It's powerful. Monday morning, he's at his desk working. And, and so yeah. there's this sense of which, yes, he's doing these powerful things to point where the 
king goes, yeah, your, your God is amazing, points to God. He bows down before Daniel, actually worships Daniel, which was wrong, <laughs> wrong of the king. Yeah. But after this, he's just out doing his job. So there's this call to be faithful where we are and yeah. in exile and to seek to, uh, in bold ways and in costly ways and in wise ways, represent Jesus Christ. And yeah. so I think it's a great, uh, it's a great book because it shows us how we're to be appropriately embedded in our culture, in the world, but not of it, um, as we seek to understand our culture and act in ways that uh, present Christ in a compelling uh, way. And not everybody's going to believe it. Some people are mm-hmm. going to reject it and hate him, and other people are going to uh, be drawn in over time or instantaneously. So, um, you know. Daniel learns the ways of the culture uh, and lives differently. And, of course, he kind of had to learn their ways. But, uh, but I, I think the same is true for us. Uh, let's be wise and let's live faithfully and show God's glory among a uh, bankrupt pagan landscape. Chapter mm-hmm. 2 of the book shows it is bankrupt. Nobody can answer what the king wants. Only God gives that answer yeah. of, interpreting, of telling the dream and interpreting yeah. it. So I think there's this truth of we live in a bankrupt world of darkness with fear, and um, vulnerability and self-indulgence and all kinds of stuff going on around hopelessness, depression, angst, all around us. And, uh, and, and as Christians, we suffer from, many of us can suffer from depression and angst as well. Yeah. I, I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying here. But the reality is that we do have an answer mm-hmm. that is light in the darkness. And yeah. so um, that's why I think the book is great. Maybe one of the best books for mm-hmm. it's first Peter's like the New Testament version of living uh, living in exile. So uh, so yeah. anyway, well, um, it's just helpful not to be surprised when Babylonians are Babylonians. Yeah, let's there you just, go. Let's let's don't be Babylonians, yeah. but let's realize Babylonians are Babylonians, and uh, American culture is not going to glorify Jesus. And so. Yeah. This is helpful for our witness, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think we need to. Uh, I I think that's a good reminder of just. I think our temptation, kind of what you're pointing at there. Uh, by saying that, our temptation is to say, like, why can't our culture be comfortable for us to be Christians in? Yeah. Uh, and there is a frustration there sure. because in some ways it used to be easier. It, for sure. In other ways, it was harder. Yeah. You right. know, there there were some things, you know, back then, I'm sure all of us can look back at something and just say, wow, it was easier to do yeah. this Christian thing then or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the reality is, is we have it really easy. Yeah, we do. Uh, compared to many believers around the world. Uh, I mean, goodness, I just heard about a a Christian pastor, I think in Africa who was killed, uh, mm. by, uh, by, a, uh, a terrorist group that mm. had kidnapped him. And, uh, I just think like, man, we hear sporadically mm. about things in the West where it's just, uh, this crazy thing yeah. that doesn't really happen that often. Yeah. And wow, I can't believe that happened to a church or to a pastor or to whatever, but there's, there's violence, there's oppression, there's aggression being done to believers every day in other places of yeah. the world. And so I think it comes from a really privileged yeah. uh, life to say, uh, you know, it's too hard to be a Christian in this culture. And I think, oh, Jared, you know, that's that right. It, it's difficult. It, it is. And I think that the biggest difficulty we have is coming to grips with the fact that we actually have it really easy. And so we have we do. so much less of an excuse than other people do. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we're not in hiding. We don't have to secretly go to church together. We yeah. don't have to hide our Bibles. We, you know, we have it really easy. Yeah. And so we really need to come to a place of, you know, why do I find it hard to obey in this area of my yeah. life? Why do I find it difficult? Um, and confess that to the Lord, confess yeah. that to one another. I mean, let's, let's work on it together. I, I think all of us find difficulty in this area because there's a natural discomfort. Sure. Um, and so I'm not just saying like, well, we're in America, so there's right. really no, you have no reason to feel we feel there's a discomfort there and yeah. uh so i i really do think we need to we need to be honest about our our lack of obedience yeah. uh be honest about yep. the difficulties That's we good. face and and the ways that we need to grow and ask for help yeah uh, i need to grow you need to grow we yeah, all need to grow no sure. one has reached the you know the pinnacle of i'm the ultimate evangelist i am the i am perfect right. in how i live in you know public faith among others yeah, yeah exactly uh, so, I, but I think it's good to kind of point out that, you know, we have a natural temptation to say, you know, it's not comfortable enough in my culture to be this way or to say, you know, we need to get America back to the way it used to be so I can feel comfortable. As a yeah, again. I think that's right. And I, another, another benefit of Daniel is just what you're saying. What it shows what real suffering is, what real persecution is and what a real costly stand is. And I think that's helpful to help us discern where to pick our battles. Part of public faith is where does he try to talk about in the first message of Daniel, he, where does he pick his battle? He picks his battle on the food. He's gonna learn, he's gonna get the education, he's gonna serve the king, he'll do all that. He'll, he'll allow him to call him a new name, which was a name of another God, as opposed to his name, which is God is my judge, Daniel. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be Belteshazzar instead. So he really takes a lot of the culture, but he picks his spot. Well, I like that idea of kind of picking that thing, what that, where do we, what is it for me? What is it for you? Where are we? That can be a future topic, I think. And that's really helpful, really good. Um, But man, I'm excited about this theme of public faith. I'm excited to uh, kind of focus in more topically with, with the podcast going forward, but I'm also excited about what's going on in our church. So uh, on that note, I would just say, guys, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't rated or reviewed the podcast, uh, you know, and you've enjoyed it, you've been listening to it and it's been a help to you, please do that. Uh, and you know, we talked about this idea of, of trying to broaden this a little bit more and help, uh, hopefully make it a resource to, to more people beyond just those in our church, share it on Facebook, uh, share it with your friends and family, people that you think it might be helpful for, and, uh, would be appreciative of that. And thanks as always for listening. Thanks to you, Craig, Thanks, man. for your time and your preparation and everything really meaningful. And I'm looking forward to next time. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Jared. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.